Welcome to About That Bible with Every Nation NYC. We're here to help you get more out of that Bible. You can find us on YouTube or anywhere that you can find podcasts. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter at About That Bible. Today we are talking about persuading God to change his mind. So can we persuade God to change his mind? We are taking this from Moses, to be clear. We are going to look at Moses. We're not going to delve into more than just from that I mean, that's a question that you could ask all the way through the Bible. Yes, but we're just looking at Moses. So we're looking in Exodus, Numbers, and maybe a little bit of Deuteronomy. Can we do a quick summary of what's happening with Moses? Yeah. Um, So... Moses is continually interceding on the people of Israel's behalf, first against Pharaoh, and then once they get into the wilderness with God. I think the first time we see like a really like huge example of this is um, in the burning, uh, excuse me, the golden calf incident uh, yes. in the wilderness. So God's like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm <laughs> like, there's a stiff necked people. I'm gone. And Moses is like, no, we need you to come with us. And it would seem that God changes his mind. Okay. And we see examples of that through the whole story of the whole time that God's people are in the wilderness before they enter the promised land. Time and time again, um, God says, I'm going to do this. And Moses goes to him and says, hang on a second. You know, your, your name. Yeah. Let me remind you about your character. Let me remind you about your covenant to, to Israel. But that can read depending on your theological bent that can read kind of difficult. Like, it seems like God is... Yeah, is God truly changing his mind? Does God not know what he's going to do tomorrow? He wakes up, he checks his calendar, he's like, oh, am I going to do that or not? And Moses is like, oh, God, I think they've got a better idea. Just little Moses. And we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to try and answer that question. Can we persuade God to change his mind? If you're in the New York City area and looking for a church, then please stop by and visit us in real life. You can find all of our service times and locations at everynationnyc.org. We look forward to meeting you and speaking with you in person. So we are talking about, can we persuade God to change his mind based on the story of Moses? We're keeping it on the Moses. We're not going into all the other places you could go to try and answer that. But does Moses persuade God to change his mind? Because we see all these examples of him saying, hey, God, maybe don't do that. So first off, I think we need to talk about the relationship that the people of Israel are having with God. What's going on there? Yeah, so they um, are continually turning against God. They're continually grumbling. They're continually complaining. They're building golden calves. I mean, I cannot believe like while God is um, telling Moses, here's how I'm going to operate and work with these people. Here's how uh, we're going to yeah. establish a sacrificial system. We're and- going to have a great society and it's going to be amazing. And these are the rules and how we're going to have like a great time. Meanwhile, down the hill, they're building a golden calf. And then Moses comes down and asks Aaron, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I just threw a bunch of gold in the fire and it came out a calf. And and meanwhile, God was giving specific instructions on how Aaron was to walk before him and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's so heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. So the people are, are really failing. And that's, that's one example. Uh, I think just um, two and a half months after leaving, uh, leaving Egypt, Egypt um, they're ready to go back. 
they're they're saying. Well, I, even at the Red Sea, they're like, uh, can we just go back? That's right, two and a half hours. Yeah, it's only like a few hours <laughs> no, in. They're it's like, probably, I don't uh, know. It may be a couple of days, but still, they're like, uh, can we just maybe go back? This looks bad. Yeah, so they're they're always looking for a way out. And uh, even when they're on the edge of the promised land, right, they're, they're saying, um, did God bring us here to die by the sword? Mm. Uh, man, I wish we had died in Egypt or in the wilderness. That will have done. And it's so yeah. crazy to me that they would, they're like, I will die anywhere except for where God would lead me. I'll die in the wilderness. I'll die in Egypt, but I won't die here where God is leading me. They're continually grumbling, continually complaining and looking for ways out of God's will, even if it means dying in just a different place. But at the same time, we see God continually showing up and being like, hey, I'm going to give you some bread every morning. Hey, I'm going to make sure you have water. Like he is continually providing for these people. Yes. And they are continually grumbling. What is the relationship we see between Moses and God? Because it's very different. And he is the, we see him it, like saying, hey, God, maybe don't do that. That thing that you want to do to those people <laughs> that are really like not your pals. Um, so what is going on there between that relationship between God and Moses? Yes, Moses does have a really unique relationship with God. Special relationship. Very special. Um, and and you see that in, in his encounter with God in, on Mount Sinai. Um, Moses says, I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. And and the, the thought is nobody can see the face of God and live. And God says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll show you my back. And he proclaims before Moses his name. Moses comes off the mountain with a shiny face. He has to wear a veil. Everybody's freaking everybody out. Nobody can look at him. Because <laughs> he's so shiny. He's so shiny. Like he's got so much of the presence of God on him that people can't even, he's so holy. Now by association with God's holiness, they can't, they can't stand him. He has to wear, he has to put a bag over his head. Amen. Where are examples that we know that this is different from other people? Yeah, so God has, has clearly given Moses not just holiness, but also even his spirit. Um, later in Numbers, um, there's an, an appointing of 70 kind of like elders or leaders, and God says, I'm going to take some of the spirit that rests on Moses, and I'm going to put it on um, these other 70 leaders. And they immediately start, start prophesying. Even some of the guys that weren't there with them start prophesying. It, it, it ticks Joshua off, but it's just an example of how so much of the presence, the spirit and power of God was resting on Moses. He's like, I'm going to take even some of that from Moses and start to spread it out a bit. Also, um, at another another point um, in Numbers, Miriam and Aaron get really ticked off. They're like, why is God talking to Moses so much? Uh, what makes him so special? Jealous. Absolutely. And and God starts to, God, God speaks. He's like, um, it's unclear if it's directed to Moses and Aaron through Moses or excuse me, to, through Miriam and Aaron or, or through Moses. But God says, with other prophets, I should I speak to them in dreams and in visions, and it's not always clear. It requires interpretation. But with Moses, with my servant Moses, I speak mouth to mouth. And that's like, that's close. That's intimate. I don't fully understand what that would have meant in the culture. Um, but mouth to mouth, excuse me, mouth to mouth, face to face, like my mouth is speaking through his mouth. Um, Moses clearly, like God calls it himself, very special. He's like, other prophets, yeah, they prophesy, but Moses, totally different. And so God's relationship with Moses does stand apart, very unique in scripture. 
So can you give us an, an example of a time where Moses is standing in for the people or what does he do when he's trying to persuade God? Yeah, uh, it's a little bit different um, each time, but but it generally is is Moses reminding God of his name, reminding God of his character or his covenant with with the people. Um, one point, right after um, right after they're right on the edge of the promised land, the twelve spies come back. Ten give a negative report. Two, Caleb and Joshua give the the positive report. A plague breaks out um, in in the camp, and people are dying by the plague. And it says that. Um, Moses and Aaron go and get a bit of the fire from the altar and they carry it out in the censer uh, between the living and the dead, between the people and the plague. Um, they carry this fire in, in some, some sort of contraption out into uh, the people and stand in the gap, right? And so they're, they're constantly kind of putting themselves in between the, the anger, the wrath of God, and the people. They're, they're, they're interceding, um, Moses particularly, really Moses, Aaron, only by by, sometimes by necessity that he's near Moses sometimes yeah so does Moses persuade God to change his mind can we persuade God to change our mind wow his mind I know so in the the story it it seems that that Moses yes is um is interceding in his intercessions uh on the on behalf of the people that God agrees or, or changes or agrees to with Moses, man, you can see, like, I don't want to say that, yeah, God is, it's not that I believe that God is waking up, not knowing what he's doing. It's not that I b believe that God does not have a plan. Um, but I believe that God you, is in his sovereignty, chooses to use people, chooses to allow people to stand in the gap for others. Um, and that's always been God's plan. Like in the garden, um, God delegates authority to people over his creation. And so as people rebel, Rebellious people become part of the created order that God wants other people to exercise a portion of his authority over and in. Um, and so God is is using people as part of his plan to accomplish his purposes. I don't think that we ever change God on his ultimate purpose. Or his character, because mm -hmm. you could read it and assume that his character changes, like he's a really angry God and Moses persuades him to be a good God. Mm. And I think that's not true. Absolutely not. Uh, you got to remember that Moses is operating with God's spirit in him yeah. as well. Um, that Moses is is also a foretype and shadow of of Christ, the great intercessor, who absolutely puts his body on the line between the living and the dead, um, and is the firstborn of the dead. Right, um, and so. Um, Moses has this very special relationship where God is is really um, uh, demonstrating what is ultimately going to happen through his son, Jesus Christ. God is using his servant Moses in his sovereignty to, to show us something of his nature, something of his character. Not that he changes, not that he's moldable or changeable, but that he is full of wrath and full of mercy. Yeah, and, and Moses always calls God by his character like he calls him he says yes. you are this you're merciful like he's calling him to that yes he reminds him um in uh, in the exodus um example he he says god remember your um your name that you showed me on the mountain that he you're slow really to well. anger abounding in steadfast love to all these generations but you will not for let the guilty go unpunished god is both merciful and just 
and um, and that is expressed in God's relationship with Moses and how God sovereignly chooses to allow Moses to interact with them and be in relationship with them. Yes. And on that note, that was about that Bible with Every Nation NYC. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at about that Bible or subscribe. Give us a little comment, especially if you have any questions that you would like us to cover from the Bible. We'll see you soon. Bye.